Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Makers and Mystics podcast, season seven, episode one. Today's episode is a very special episode for me, not only because it marks a brand new season on the podcast, but also because I get to introduce you to some new music from one of my favorite artists and closest friends, John Mark McMillan. A quick reminder before we dive into the episode, John Mark will be joining our lineup of artists, presenters, and performers at the Breath in the Clay Creative Arts Gathering in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, coming up in just a few weeks on March 20th through 22nd. If you don't have your tickets yet, now is the time to get them as we're preparing for this event to sell out. Join the Makers and Mystics podcast, Will Reagan, Scott Erickson, Jeremy Cowart, Matthew Perryman-Jones, Jess Ray, and so many other incredible artists and performers. You can see the show notes of this episode for links or visit the bc2020.com for tickets and additional information. This is my interview with singer-songwriter John Mark McMillan on his new album, Peopled with Dreams. Is this a studio or a man cave or a little bit of both here? It's all of the above. <laughs> so we're hanging out in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, John Mark's got some brand new music that we're going to talk about today and uh, just whatever else we get into. And so this is actually your second time on Makers and Mystics, right? I believe it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think in the first episode we did together, we tried to do this in a public space. We were sitting downtown yes. in a coffee shop. It's so loud. <laughs> so you can like hear all of the people talking yep, in, in the background. But dude, I'm excited to have you back on the show. Yeah, man. It's always a treat to hang and talk. And mm -hmm. I love it. I love the show too. I'm a fan, good, not good. just of you, but of the show. So it's exciting to be back. That's good. It'd be really awkward if I was a fan of you, but you didn't really dig what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It would, yeah. Would it? Well, dude, you've got this record, which the title I love, Peopled with Dreams. Let's just start right there. Tell me what Peopled with Dreams is all about. Yep. Peopled with a D. And I keep telling people the D is not a typo because mm -hmm. people with dreams is not a very exciting title, but peopled with dreams. And the whole idea is peopled as you turn a noun into a verb. You know, the world is peopled, has been peopled. And so it, the whole idea is that I'm trying to see the world in a new way. You know, I'm trying to see the world in a different way. And I'm really making this journey back to my faith. And not that I ever walked away from my faith. I think I just, I walked the journey. You know what I'm saying? I walked the road and sometimes the road is really hard. And as the last record was much more of a crisis of faith, you know? Um, which crises of faith are common among people of faith, right? Only people of faith have crises of faith. <laughs> but this is definitely like a walk back. And excuse me, I actually don't want to say that. I don't want to say a walk back because I don't like that language. I don't think God ever calls you back. I think he only calls you forward. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's a walk into faith, right? But with new eyes. And so I was like, how can I see the world in a different way? How can I make how can I make a record where, you know, what is gonna be like my perception of the world through this record? And I was like, Well, right now I see the whole world as a dream of God. Mm -hmm. You know, and individual people as the dream of God. And so see the whole world peopled with dreams. It says so much. Number one, it says it says to me like my life is a dream and there's all sorts of conversation to have about like, are you awake in the dream that's your life? 
right? Like, do you realize how significant you are? And I can argue that both spiritually and scientifically, and that's sort of another theme on this record. I'm looking for places where spirituality, Christianity, and maybe even science kind of overlap, you know, and maybe they diverge here. I don't think they do. That's up to you. I'm not going to tell you what to think about that, but I'm looking for bridges to build bridges. So first of all, talking about if I am a dream of God, if my life is a dream, am I aware and awake in this dream or am I just like sleepwalking through life, you know, because life is super, super short or am I awake to the miracle that is my life? But then you take it to the next step, like, oh, you're also a dream of God. And I'm, I'm sitting here having a conversation with one of God's dreams, one of God's like precious things that he like freaking dreamed you up one day, you know? Who knows how long ago? It's like God and the universe just dreamed you up. And, and so like, oh, well then how do I think about you? And how do I treat you? And how do I treat this person over here? You know, like, whoa, all of a sudden, you know, but it's also this idea of like possibility if the world is peopled with dreams, it's sort of like the whole world is a miracle. And like I, as hard as things get sometimes and as difficult as things get, like I really, really need to live in that place of, of gratitude, you know? So in one sense, it's a, it's a way to talk about gratitude in a sort of roundabout way. You know, seeing the whole world as being peopled with dreams. Other than that, I'm just sort of obsessed with the idea. <laughs> I love what you're saying because, you know, that everything is a miracle. And that reminds me of that quote by Einstein, I think it was, who said, there are only two ways to live your life. One is either that everything is a miracle or that nothing is a miracle. Exactly. You know? And that's, yeah. that's the whole science and, and faith type of thing working together as well, coming from yeah. Einstein. I love it. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. I love what you're saying too, just because our upcoming, the Breath and the Clay gathering, our whole theme is perception. Yeah. The whole thing that we're exploring that weekend yeah. is about how we perceive, mm-hmm. what, how we see and, and how that affects yep. both the art that we make and the lives that we yep. live or the worlds that we build. And uh, yep. so lean into that a little bit more about the perception yeah. and what that means for you. A hundred percent. Well, to me, like the road back into faith is it's very obviously one road, mm-hmm. right? And it's gratitude mm-hmm. because all of my questions, every question I have anywhere that I struggle in my mind, like all those streams come together in gratitude, mm-hmm. you know? So like I would say, you know, if, we're, if we were, and I don't want to talk about this too much because I'm, t- I'm kind of over it, but like when I was having my sort of crisis of faith, what brought me through my crisis of faith is I started to realize like, oh, I can live inside this frequency. On my best days, me and God are best friends. On my worst days, just believing in God and loving God is just a really great way to live, <laughs> you know? And that's sort of like where, how I got through that, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort mm-hmm. of like, I was like, okay, but all of those streams, the entire spectrum of everything that happens in between those two ways of living, mm-hmm. like all converge into gratitude. And so you can jump into gratitude no matter where your head's at, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You can jump into gratitude no matter where your head's at. And there's a few things and this, I promise I'm gonna answer your question, <laughs> but gratitude is, a friend of mine says, gratitude is the practice of seeing the world correctly. I love it. Gratitude is the practice of seeing the world correctly. So when you perceive, it's I'm I'm guessing that perception isn't so much about that you see something you didn't see. It's about acknowledging or understanding or realizing something that's already there. Or maybe it's what you decide to put the emphasis on. Because we know in music, emphasis is everything. In art, emphasis is everything. You know, what you emphasize matters, right? 
I mean, it's what you're doing. And so the perception is, you know, I look at my life and I have this whole thing about normal life and how there really is no such thing as normal life, you know? And you could look at my life and be like, well, my life is normal. My life is boring. My life is hard, you know? And you can focus on those things, but um, it's really easy to forget that like, you look into outer space and like, there is nothing like a person for light years, for millions of light years. We don't even know if there's anything like a person, not just like a person. We don't even know if there's anything like life. Mm-hmm. We don't know. And, and and you could travel further than a human can live. You could travel, you could live to be a hundred years, right? And never even begin to even halfway get to the the next place that there could be life. Yeah. Right. And so that's how like uncommon we are. And when I think about how like uncommon we are, you know, like most of my life has to be some sort of miracle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it's it's all about perception, mm-hmm. right? I can see my life as boring and normal or I can step back like a click, right? You know, (laughs) the moon is not very far from the earth compared to the rest of the universe, right? You just jump back to the moon and you're like, life is really a significant thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like at the very least, we've won the cosmic lottery, (laughs) you know, like, and, and, and so I wanna live from that perception. It's like, I'm not seeing anything new. I'm just, emphasizing the things that are actually important. What's not important is it like, I might be unhappy with the situation in my work. That's not really important. It's real and it's there. But what is important is the fact that like, I am one of the only human creatures that will ever grace this universe mm-hmm. as far as I can tell. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, there's only one John Mark McMillan. <laughs> there is. There's only one. And even if even if everyone in the world was exactly like me, we would still be insanely rare. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like an honor to exist. Like just to exist is like unbelievable. It's honestly the greatest miracle of all is that God ever dreamed you up in the first place, mm-hmm. is that you exist at all mm-hmm. is the greatest miracle, you know? Yeah. And I grew up in miracle, sort of a miracle family, you know, like, um, my dad, you know, is a preacher and a healing guy, you know what I mean? I sort of grew up in that culture, you know? And um, I don't mean this about my dad, but in that culture, people are all looking for miracles. And sometimes I feel like, I was like, hey, do you realize <laughs> like the greatest miracle is that you're even here to think about miracles, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, we tend to like feel like we're missing out on something. What you're saying actually reminds me of the lyrics on the first track of your record. Yeah, yeah. And you said, there is a garden in the void in the desert of space, a speck of blue dust in the vacuum of hate. So we drive to work, we walk our dogs, we make babies, we sing songs, and all along we are asleep inside the miracle of it all. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. It's all about perception. There is a garden in the void in the desert of space. A speck of blue dust in the vacuum of hate So we drive to work, we walk our dogs We make babies, we sing songs And all along, we sleep inside the miracle of it all 
One thing I've always appreciated about you as an artist is that you never stay in the same place too long. I mean, I think there's a common thread about your music that it can always be identified as John Mark, but yeah. every record is so different. It's, <laughs> totally. it's like you don't hang out and repeat yourself, and I love that. But this new record is totally different than your last one. And, <laughs> yep. and tell me some about that creative process. How did you get from where you were to where you are now creatively? Yeah, well, so... I don't know that it was um, a thought that we're going to like make a hard turn, you know, like, and I never, I, 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 I won't say never, but I rarely do that. It's more like a couple of years, you know, has passed between records and I listen to a lot of different music and I've been saying for years, like, I really want to do something with a nineties R and B influence and people hear my voice and they see, they can hear through my voice. They can hear that I can't dance. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> And they're like, so why would you do that? But I'm obsessed with 90s R&B. Part of it is because it's what I listened to as a kid. It's like I used to stay awake at night and listen to the radio, to pop radio. And it was SWV and TLC and Boys to Men and In Vogue. I mean, that was the kind of stuff that I was listening to as a <laughs> middle schooler, yeah. you know, like before I got into rock and roll in my teenage years, you know. And so I, something about it is nostalgic for me. And I've thought, I also... I do like the idea of throwing people for a loop. I will sit around and think about uh, occasionally, what can I do that nobody would see coming? <laughs> you know, I will think about that sometimes, but it's not a conscious decision to make a hard left or right. It's just when you start doing, like sitting around thinking what would no one imagine that I would do. And then I'm, I'm listening to music that um, people probably wouldn't imagine I listen to. It just naturally mm -hmm. goes, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But also every record we do, we have such a hard time deciding what direction to go because we all have uh, such broad taste. Mm -hmm. You know, like literally sometimes we'll sit down with songs. I'm like, I could do this with an acoustic guitar and an orchestra. That would be cool. I could do this with a live band on the floor and that would be cool. I could do this like with DJs and that would be cool. Or I could do this with songs of water, you there know, you change all the time signatures <laughs> and that would be that cool. That still has to happen one day, you Definitely. realize that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think a lot of it is sort of, we just have so many ideas. And so it's like, it. we don't wanna do the same thing again because yeah. we, we sort of moved on. But I think the ways that this record are different, it's number one is like, we've got a lot of singers on this record. Uh, you know, I've got like some gospel singers and some R&B singers. Lisa Sullivan's on the record a lot and she's just wails, you know what I'm saying? She just absolutely screams. Mm -hmm. it's, she's such an amazing vocalist and, um, you know, and, and then we've got a lot of the R&B drum elements too. And even some, some songs you wouldn't imagine, like we're pulling some of the original beats we like pulled from like Tupac's Changes or mm -hmm. like uh, Jade's Don't Walk Away, you yeah, know, like yeah. that kind of stuff. But I think one of the major things that makes this record different than past records is I think that I learned how to write songs on this record. And I'm not joking. Like I worked with Jacob Early on this record, who's an amazing producer. We work really well. I worked with Gabe Wilson on the last record. I feel like Gabe Wilson taught me how to write songs. So after Mercury and Lightning, I came out of that process much better songwriter. And so like the melodies are more intentional. I'm pretty much not wasting any time or space. You know, it's sort of like everything has to earn its place or it's gone. 
unless we want to be excessive on purpose. And there are two or three places on the record where we're purposely excessive, but we're actually excessive, not accidentally excessive. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's like a minute and a half space orchestra at the end of one of the songs, you know? But overall, it's like I'm taking a pop approach to really heavy, complex existential ideas. I love it. And that's kind of the idea that like, I'm like, a lot of these ideas are really hard. They're really complex and they're really touchy, Mm -hmm. especially being an artist who has been known as a worship leader and a Christian artist. I mean, we could talk all day about why I don't like that term, but I am a believer. I really love Jesus. And this record is a road into faith, but from a way different angle. And so I thought, you know, I've got this content is difficult, then I'm going to make the music easy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I wanted it. I wanted a pop vibe about it. I wanted an ease to the songs, to the melodies, to the beats. I wanted it to be exciting and easy and not difficult. Musically, since some of the subject matters are going to be a little bit complex. I think it was uh, Tom Waits who said, I love telling you terrible things in beautiful melodies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. You know, one of the unique things about this record that I appreciate is you actually recorded it all pretty much in this room we're sitting in. Is that right? Almost all of it. The... Room across the hall is where we set up the drums and we'd run a snake across the hall and track the drums. But everything else was recorded in this room. And so I know that uh, in certain parts of the record too, you also had your family and your kids and your wife to be a part of the record. Mm -hmm. Tell me some about that. Yeah, well, my wife has been a part of most of my records, but this time doing the record at home during the summer and my kids are here and, you know, so we'll be in the middle of a vocal take and I'll just hear like the pounding of feet upstairs or I'll hear like a scream of death, you know, (laughs) from the other side of the house or, you know, I'll I'll hear someone like drive a remote control car into the wall or (laughs) someone is like, you know, pulling the dog's tail and he's like (laughs) wailing, you know. And so my kids were here and it was so amazing to be around my kids. But then also it was a little bit of a fight sometimes. And so I got to the point where I was like, well, if you can't beat them, join them. Mm -hmm. And so I invited them into the studio most days. I told them, look, you can come in anytime you want. There's a set of headphones over there. You can sit down. And so one way to keep them from ruining my you know, recording <laughs> sessions was I just invited them into the recording yeah. sessions. And then if they got antsy, I was like, well, hey guys, if you are really chill, you know, like I'll let you do a part, you know? And so I would let them sing on a song, really just sort of to pacify them mm-hmm. and give them something to do. And then it struck me as like, what is one of those things nobody would see coming? You know, I was like, oh, I'm gonna have my daughter sing the hook on Road the Rocks and the Weeds, you know, because yeah. I mentioned her in the song, you know what I mean? There's a line in the song about my daughter and we were having a hard time figuring out what instruments needed to do that song. Because I, I was so tired of the same old, same old. It's like, I didn't want an electric guitar. I didn't want an acoustic guitar. I didn't want a piano. I, you know, it's like, what is like, is really exciting and sort of unexpected, but also nostalgic as like, well, a voice would be great. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, what if it was baby girl's voice, you know? And it's like out of pitch and it's looped in this way. You know what I mean? It's very childlike, but it's not cute. 
necessarily. So I never really planned to have them on the record, but all of a sudden it was like, this is kind of exciting. I don't know anyone who's using kids on a record in a non-cute mm-hmm. kind of way. I mean, they're cute, like it's childlike, but it's not like we're not doing the like puppy dogs, kitty cats version of a record. Like a lot of the songs they're singing on, like the subject matters are like light years above their head. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And yeah. so it's really fun to anchor that in them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want to dive into some of that with you about the difficult subject matter and yeah, yeah. try to frame this as a question because you mentioned that you have been an artist in circles of faith in the Christian mm-hmm. world. And and I know just because we've been friends for so long, I know kind of your flagship song for so long was How He Loves and uh, songs in the worship arena. Mm-hmm. But I know also you've, you've mentioned several times about having a crisis of faith and moving on in your own spiritual journey to different or difficult ideas. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the Christian community can really struggle with that because we yeah. want we want to hear a voice or the Christian community wants to hear a voice that affirms these ideas that that embody the Christian faith. But, you know, as an artist and just as an individual, you're you're on a spiritual journey of your own, you know? And and so have you found it difficult to speak to that audience and still be honest about your own struggles in faith? Sometimes yes. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but there are definitely moments when I do feel that way. And it's not just Christians, a lot of people are like this, but what people want more than anything really, and I don't even know that they know this, but if you think about it, I think it's true, is what people want more than anything is they wanna know if you're on their side or not. Mm -hmm. And there are a handful of issues where um, depending on what stream, which is really interesting because different streams actually pick different issues. And I don't think a lot of people realize that, but you and I both travel a lot. And different streams have their own pet issues, but there are certain issues that sort of like we can go back and forth about, you know? And then there are certain issues where it's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh man, (laughs) you think I just left your team. You think I just quit the band, right? (laughs) you know? But I'm like, I promise I didn't. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just because I put down a saxophone and I picked up a violin, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, hang on, man, I didn't quit the band. Yeah. But there are certain issues where people are like, I think you just quit the band. Right. You know, but the truth about Christianity is this, is that like, if it really works, it's gotta be simple, right? Otherwise my kids don't make it. Mm-hmm. Right, my elderly grandparents when they lost their mind. Oh, they're not in the club anymore because they can't intellectually ascend to penal substitutionary atonement theory. <laughs> you know, right, right. It's like if those types of things have to be uh, confessed to the letter, then like there's a whole group of people who have no concept of that mm-hmm. or even know how to say that. Yeah, and so like, oh, they're gone. They're out. They're off the team. They're they're out of the band. Yeah. you know. And so like, I don't take this lightly, and I'm not like pushing back against any of these issues, but I'm saying. Like sometimes we have to, if you never question these things, how do you know you really believe them? And that's really scary because there's a whole group of people that are like, you should not question scripture. I'm like, I'm not saying that we should question scripture, but I am saying like, you have to understand that to read scripture requires your thoughts and your feelings. Because I'm not saying it's just a book, but it is a book. And the way you 
engage in a book is you read the words and the letters and you use your thoughts and feelings to try and understand what's being presented to you, you know? And I think we all feel like we have the same idea about things, but if you really broke it down, like we're reading the same things, we're saying the same things and we're doing a lot of the same things. But if we all had to describe what we thought it was, it might be really different person to person, even in similar streams, you know? Mm -hmm. Even the whole, and I don't know how deep you wanna get into this, but you know, for example, you know, the whole idea of confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart, even that is a metaphor. And people, you could get mad, but I'm saying like, it is a metaphor. Like your heart is an organ in your body, right? No one has defined what your heart is. And then, but you're gonna say that if I wanna like break that down and talk about it, or I believe that a different way or understand that a different way, you're gonna get frustrated at me. But I'm telling you like, we're saying all these things, but it goes back to perception, right? Mm -hmm. Like, but we may be perceiving them different ways. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of this language is constructed language and we have to like kind of break it down and to try and each figure out what it means to us individually, you know, there's mm-hmm. no, there's really no other way, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I mean, gosh, I'm getting really, really, really deep here, you know, like in a sense, people don't like this either, but like, let's just be honest, nobody really knows anything for certain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not talking about God, I'm talking about anything in life. And it doesn't, you can't live your life that way. Mm-hmm. But if you wanna sit here and tell me like, I guarantee that we are not living in a simulation right now. I'd say, I think you're right, but you cannot prove that we're not living in a simulation right now. Some of the smartest people in the world, I'm sure that most people will disagree with them, but I'm saying these are the Einsteins of today, right? These are the people inventing the things that you use and depend on. Some of the smartest people in the world say things like this. If it's possible to create a simulation at any point, even in the future, then the odds that we are in a simulation right now are extremely high. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I know that like people don't like those words and at a point technology becomes something else and it wouldn't be a simulation. Look, I'm not trying to weird anyone up, but here's what I'm saying. If you want me to carve in blood the things that I believe to be for certain to walk through the doors of your club, I'm gonna be like, man, I'm gonna say what I need to say to get in. But if you really wanna get down to it, like we're all discovering this thing called life Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of room for questions. There's a lot of room for doubt without having to leave the club, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, I mean, all that's really heavy. No, it's good. You know, I think you're hitting on one of the fundamental tensions between art and faith. And that is that at the core of art, it's an exploration of questions. Yeah, It's perceiving something and then playing with that. It's yeah. it's abiding in that mystery. It's, it's yeah. it looking at it from different angles and exploring it. Whereas faith a lot of times uh, really grasps after certainty. Yeah. You know, so you've got those two different tensions going on, this, yeah. this, this mystery and this certainty. Uh, but the thing that I love about what you're saying and about the music that you're making is that you leave space for flexible absolutes. Yeah, exactly. I love that, flexible absolutes. Mm-hmm. And to me, the role of the artist in uh, civilization is the artist uh, press into the unknown. Yes. The artist press into the unknown. Yes. I mean, even the like, 
a lot of the technology we have, I mean, this is just a really good example, but it's definitely not the only example of this. This is just the most obvious example. A lot of the technology we use today was featured in sci-fi books and movies of the past. Yeah. You know, even Elon Musk says that like a lot of his ideas came from reading sci-fi books as a kid. Yeah. You know? And so like the artists are having these conversations and everyone thinks they're ridiculous. And you know what? Like a large percentage of the time they are ridiculous, but that's <laughs> how you forge a new path. You find your way by going down the wrong path over and over and over and over until you find the right path. And everyone loves it when you find the right path and you wear it out real good. Then everyone walks on it and everyone says, I knew the whole time that this was here. Mm -hmm. You know, in the meantime, like artists like you and me are like, we've got like bloody knuckles and messed up knees and like jungle rod on our feet <laughs> because we've like, taking the path that doesn't work until we find the path that does. Mm -hmm. That's what the artist does, intellectually speaking, you know, mm -hmm. as we press into those unknown places, right? Yeah. yeah. My hope would be that the approach that you're taking to your music and to your art, this would inspire people to do much the same, especially artists of faith, people in faith communities, because, you know, that's what I love about the artist. That's the gift that the artist yeah. brings both to the culture and to communities of faith is to be able to sit with the mystery, to wrestle with yeah. the mysteries, and at the same time, have a sense of groundedness while you're exploring. Yeah. You know, it, again, it's the tension of, of certainty and mystery. Definitely. We spark off, glitter into the night. Hours before dawn's recurring light. I want to ask you about one particular song on the record, and that's Bright Abyss. Yeah. And I'm curious, is that a shout out to Christian Wyman's book? It, it is, kind of. Um, so it's, it's not a direct reference to the book as much as like, I just kind of stole that phrase. <laughs> I love it. But I didn't realize, and not that it matters, but I didn't realize how popular he was as an author. My friend Andy gave me one of his books, Every Riven Thing, I think it's called. Oh, yeah. And it's just such a beautiful book. I mean, I loved it so much. And in fact, I think Andy had actually underlined Bright Abyss in a poem in that book. And I loved it so much. I wrote Bright Abyss down in my journal, you know? And it's it's really like, so I'm, I don't know that I'm using it the way he, Christian is, you yeah. know? And so like, I'm hoping like he doesn't hate my guts um, <laughs> or think that I'm stupid because I'm not necessarily referencing I mean, I'm sure there's some crossover, but for me, Bright Abyss is a way to talk about the future, you know? It's all about, you know, back to pressing into the unknown, you know? And, and even like, like, I actually think that that's part of worship. Like when we're worshiping God, God is unknown. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you can't know God. I'm saying you can't know him in full, right? You will never know yeah. him in full, mm -hmm. ever. So <laughs> like part of worship is always pressing into the unknown, mm -hmm. you know? And so for me, like, it's it's a talk about God. It's also talk about future. And like, as a kid, I had this like existential fear of dying and disappearing, you know? And a lot of that was um, obviously when I became a believer, like that helped a lot. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like some of that is still down there, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I had to come to terms with this that like, I'm just gonna trust God, the parts of him I know and the parts that I don't know that the unknown is gonna be good. Whatever the unknown is, whatever mm -hmm. the unknown is 
in my life and beyond my life. You know, like I'm just trusting that it's good. You know, it, it's not a thing I have to be afraid of. It's something that I can embrace. Yeah. You know, because life is hard and life is difficult and there are beautiful parts to life. And, and so Bright Abyss was me celebrating the conquering of that fear, you know, the fear of the unknown and turning it around. And there's a lot of that language on here where I take ideas that maybe atheists or nihilists would use for the end of all things. Like, it's like death is the end, everyone dies, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I'm turning a lot of it upside down. Like the juggernaut song is about life and life is the thing that conquers everything. Life is the rock that you run into at the end of the road. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, life is the thing that crushes you and you know what I'm saying? Love it. It's not death in the end and the abyss is not dissipation and, and death and fading away, but the abyss is something beautiful. It's you know, God himself were welcomed back into the mind of God. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I love that. It's sort of like turning all these fears and things around and using similar language, but talking about them in the opposite way. Back yeah. to the perception. It all goes back to perception, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, your album again is titled Peopled with Dreams. Yeah. And even some of the posts and things that I've seen you put on social media lately, you've been asking these questions to people about what is your dream. Yeah. And, but I wanna turn that question back yeah. on you and, and yeah. what is your dream? Man, my, my dream, so specifically for the record, my dream a little bit is I wanna create a compelling argument for the post-Christian to consider the faith again. I love it. You know, like, because I'm, I'm passionate, I love the faith, like I really do. I love Jesus and I love the faith. You know, and so I, I and I almost jokingly say, this is a worship record for atheists. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost kind of a joke. It's a worship record for atheists, but I really it. it's a, it's so not, good. I don't know, arguments, maybe even a bad word, but I wanna create a compelling argument through this record yeah. for the post-Christian to reconsider faith. Mm -hmm. You know, that's my dream for the record. Mm -hmm. I think in general, my dream is that I, I want to, as an artist, I wanna see, if I can help people express gratitude, like the way I see it is like, Picasso says, art is the lie that tells the truth. Mm -hmm. And I wanna figure out as a musician, how can I trick your body into feeling the reality of your significance in the universe? Beautiful. <laughs> John Mark, thank you so much thank for you. spending this time with me yeah, on man. Makers and Mystics. Everybody listening here, John Mark's gonna be with us again at the Breath in the yes, Clay. Yes, I can't wait. Gonna be causing some trouble. We've got some tricks up our sleeve we're Definitely. not gonna tell you about, but there's a good chance that the Breath in the Clay will sell out this year. So if you haven't gotten your tickets, I encourage you to do that and listen to this album and uh, reconsider. <laughs> Enter the mystery, right? Thank you so much for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. A special thanks goes out to our patrons and supporters who make these conversations possible. If you'd like to join our team of patrons, visit patreon.com slash makersandmystics or see the show notes of this episode. Patrons enjoy additional interviews and content, a live online book club, and other additional incentives. Visit patreon.com slash makersandmystics. We'll see you again next week with another full interview episode.